the digital transition. Digital Transition, a podcast series created to assist those tasked with implementing digital strategies, where we will share our knowledge and experiences to support you in your transition. Welcome to the Digital Transition podcast number 12. I'm your host, Nathan Hildebrandt, and today I'm chatting with Christina Savian about digital twins. Although digital twins are not the starting point for most asset owners, the technology may be the key factor for some to begin their digital journey. We'll discuss what a digital twin is and why it could benefit our asset owners and how the technology works. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today, Christina. Thank you for having me, Nathan. Now, firstly, Christina, for those that are not aware of who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm Christina Fabian. I'm a technologist and construction industry professional. I've been in industry for just about over 20 years, probably on the side of my accent. I'm a Originally from Italy, I started my career in civil engineering uh, back in 1998. Started working in my town, uh, working on uh, the redesign on big uh, civil infrastructure here in the region. Then I moved, I moved to work for traffic engineering, um, working for the preparation of the 2006 during Olympic, uh, Winter Olympic Games in my hometown. And then in London, I moved to London. Uh, in late 2005, I started working in Royal Border of Greenwich in uh, South East London and worked in uh, many traffic departments and control party zones. And then in uh, 2012, I moved and worked, started working for the Olympic and Paralympic Games. Uh, That's where I gained a lot of operational experience as a transport manager for uh, the Greenwich Park Olympic venue. And then I was looking after lot of traffic and parking management and planning all, uh, for the venue, crossing the equestrian uh, games there. Uh, but I've always been a technologist and uh, gained my fame as a digital leader when I was working there in Granite. Soon after that, Autodesk discovered my digital uh, uh, skills and uh, I, they offered me, they had a hand to me and I started working uh, for them in uh, early 2013. I uh, worked there for five years, worked as a technical pre-sales, then I moved to driving digital uh, transformation, supporting large engineering firms, multinational firms. And then I decided to combine my industry experience as well as my academic, you know, professional qualifications as while working, again, quite a few uh, degrees in engineering, technology, in, econo- in economics. And lastly was uh, my MBA. Then after that, I decided to uh, leave my corporate life and set up my own uh, consultancy firm. I'm a London based. I work with a lot of startups and small SMEs, uh, and I help them scale up and bring new technology uh, into the construction market. But then lately, I also start working with a lot of the large firms, and that's where I start focusing on uh, this new. Uh, technology, digital twinning technology, and the opportunities that now this brings the uh, construction market. So you've gone from one uh, complex problem, so solving uh, London's traffic <laughs> issues during the Olympics, um, 
and uh, and and moved on to uh, a, a new challenge of uh, seeing what what one can do by connecting uh, a physical asset to a digital asset. Now, can you explain a little bit about uh, what your company uh, Be Wise does? Yeah, so I uh, started the Be Wise, or business environment like firm, um, offering consultancy services to, as I say, uh, startups and small and mid businesses, and I really help them to scale up and uh, bring this new, you know, much needed technology. Uh, into the construction market. So I help them to set up the strategy, do the product launch, a lot of technical pre-sales and um, business development activities, and really help them to bring, uh, you know, this new groundbreaking technology, um, new groundbreaking technology into a very difficult market, which is um, is now there's so many tools and technologies and innovations out there, but it's always very difficult to not technology fit all purposes. And uh, it's, it's all about understanding what is the right technology at the right moment, you know, given the situation. So I, yeah, I support um, and I use all my, you know, 20 year experience in the, in the field to help them and, you know, uh, help this way the construction industry. Now, it's pretty controversial uh, having a conversation about digital twins. And uh, I think the reason why I specifically wanted to have this chat with you about digital twins is because of the substantial amount of marketing that's out there by software vendors. And uh, mm. not only software <laughs> vendors, but uh, let's just say, let's call them slightly misinformed people. Uh, from industry and, mm-hmm. and and their views on what a digital twin is and and I think that you know there's a lot more to it than 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 what they're just talking about and it, and it's similar to the approach that a lot of people um, were were misinformed about BIM in the past. Many people suggest that it's just a simple digital replica of a physical built asset. Now that ain't the case. Can you kind of share with our listeners um, what a digital twin? Uh, really is in terms of uh, what you know the, the definition of the digital twin. I can certainly say now that I've been researching this topic essentially for the last six months, uh, and I'm also one of the um, I sit in the built environment uh, panel at the Institute of Engineering and Technology here in London, and um, we are um, one of the you know authors of these digital uh, twin publications. So that's when I start really researching. You know this um, topic, and I also realize how yes, controversial it is. And also, you're right; there is a lot of um, noise coming uh, from different parts. And yes, um, it's not necessarily just software vendors; they come from a lot of different, you know, really people. They are trying to understand what you know is. And yes, it's probably like it was what you mentioned is exactly what it was, you know, ten years ago with. Uh, BIM yeah? is a new industry buzzword, and uh, probably mistakenly, a lot of people just say, "Oh, yeah, it's just a new BIM," and you know, and so on. And it's not exactly you know what it is. And um, probably one of the things that uh, I I realize is a lot of people don't understand uh, that actually uh, <laughs> the, the concept is not new. It's not something that we developed. Um, as a uh, construction industry professional, not something coming from the construction industry at all. Um, it's a concept that was 
Um, it's actually been around since the 1670s. So, um, and uh, it was all about, you know, mirroring, you know, uh, the systems and trying to help engineers solve complex problems. In terms of the digital twin uh, concept uh, as it stands right now, it was um, it was first been defined in 2003, and it comes from the manufacturing world. So we can already see the difference that you know manufacturing industry has actually been using and implementing digital technology for quite some time. And um, as it happens uh, with many uh, technologies now, as uh, construction professionals, we are implementing and uh, talking about adopting um, uh, the benefits. And implementing digital twin technology. So, where does it come? Well, it was based in the UK, and for us, probably is the first document where we start seeing definition applied um, data for a public uh, good report published by uh, the National Infrastructure Commission. Um, here in the UK, I think 2017. And in terms of definition, they actually define it as dynamic representation um, of a system, which means the real world behavior. They define it as the virtual representation of physical objects across its life cycle using real time data, which enables understanding learning and reasoning. This is, um, there is quite a few definitions that I can mention a few definitions that now has been developed in the last few months. We can talk about the Gemini principle in a second, but we can already see how the original definition was uh, just talking about a digital replica of a physical asset, which is connected by the real time is now which was, you know, what was initially defined by Dr. Michael Green uh, in 2003. You can see how now is uh, we're kind of coming out with our own definitions. So we can see few definitions out there. I wouldn't say uh, they. I think they all agree on the connection, the physical aspect through real time connection, and then most. most uh, what um, all of them mention is slightly different takes. I think it depends also on the, um, the implementation and the purpose or why you want to implement digital twin technology. So just to make it, you know, simple and clarify the concept, the digital twin is just not a digital replica. Yeah, it's not just the digital representation is on, but it's the digital representation which is connected to the counterpart of, you know, physical part through uh, the use of, you know, sensors and real-time, you know, connections. So that is really the difference. The sensors um, are the key difference between a digital twin and just simple, a simple digital replica. So it's kind of fitting. I didn't think about this until now that we're actually uh, recording this interview uh, on the day of the Apollo 11 uh, moon landing. Oh. <laughs> um, kind of ironic, but, uh, the, you know, the fact that NASA actually created this concept uh, so long ago. But, uh, you know, the, the challenges I guess we face is that, you know, some clients might be um, also confused about the concepts of um, having a digital model connected to their FM system and understanding that, 
that isn't a digital twin, but it's just uh, purely a CAFM system and it's actually not live data feeding back, but it's actually more to it than that. Now, one thing you did touch on briefly, and this is a, I think this is actually a really good document for people to read if they actually want to be, uh, raise their awareness about what digital twins are. So the Centre for uh, Digital Built Britain, they uh, recently released a document titled Gemini Principles. Now, to, uh, for the lazy people out there that don't have the time to read or, or don't want to click on a link to uh, download and have a read, it's not that long a document though, but can you explain uh, firstly, I guess, at the high level what the principles in this document is about? As I mentioned before, I mentioned the data for public good report. The digital twin for the infrastructure was our response that report published the National Infrastructure Commission. Uh, the Data for Public Report is a very, very useful uh, document that you can download online. Yes, it's a bit longer, actually. Through recommendation of the National Infrastructure Commission, the government new digital uh, framework task group published the Gemini principles yeah, through the Central Digital Risk Prison uh, based in Cambridge. And the Gemini Principle, uh, which is actually a very, very short document. Um, it's a lot of images, a lot of um, clear uh, Im- images to, you know, to explain uh, very briefly what uh, the principles are. And so the Gemini Principle uh, provides the sector with funda- the foundational yeah, definitions and values to guide the development of the national digital twin. So we're talking about UK National Digital Twin, which is an ecosystem of digital twins. They are connected by security, you know, securely uh, shared data. What I found interesting, um, I think, on the Gemini principle is the the fact that it actually states the benefits, which obviously, you know, uh, comes from uh, the data of uh, for public good uh, report. But it basically, it does state that greater data sharing to release an additional seven billion pounds per year of benefit across the UK infrastructure sector. Just a small which amount. Is equivalent to twenty-five, yeah, which is equivalent to the twenty-five percent of the total infrastructure tank. So this is, I think, is interesting. It's um, the interesting part is, and that's the reason why, as I mentioned, to start reading the National Infrastructure Commission report first, and then we probably understand a bit better that we you know where the uh, Gemini principle comes from. But here, the question is not do we need to build or not to build the digital twin, is getting to the next level is there are benefits on implementing digital twin technology because we can already see this from uh, the other industries and we actually need to take it to the next level and connect these digital twins together to create a national digital twin because this will bring a long list of benefits um, to the UK uh, economy. Now you've almost, uh, I had lined up another question to uh, ask you, but in regards to why would asset owners want their built asset connected to their virtual asset? And you kind of almost answered me in the sense that you're saying, well, you know what, uh, we're going to have a, a digital built Britain that's all fully connected and it's going to save uh, industry $7 billion. Is there any other reason uh, why you could think of uh, apart from that uh, that amazing uh, value add that 
uh, digital twins are going to add to the economy? Well, if you're talking obviously about infrastructure, you know, today, you know, we need, we need to understand we are building um, the economy, you know, is growing. We need to build, to do more with what we have. We know we are aware of it, um, the growing population, uh, increasing demand. We need more housing. We need more infrastructure. So we, there is a lot that needs to be built in the world. And of course, for, you know, this takes into consideration right, for in the, in the next few years. So we have to do better with what we have and uh, profit margin, you know, not only because we're globally are uh, very, very low. So we need to implement ready available, you know, the technology to, to do better with what we have. This is literally the, the, the same of what, you know, taking the evolution of what is now, you know, available and implementing, you know, electric technology to, you know, uh, to the built environment. So we are talking about, you know, benefits. You can find a lot of different reports, not necessarily from, you know, uh, the construction industry, because, you know, as we know, we just started talking about it and we're talking about policy, you know, pilot uh, projects right now. So we still probably, um, and then the um, data for public good report does talk obviously um, about, you know, this new uh, pilot. Um, to be um, uh, developed this um, year to justify, you know, all of these, you know, benefits. But if we want to take about in the benefits from how the other industries, you know, seen uh, the benefits and already realized the benefits in implementing digital technology, uh, we can see that the ability to have a virtual replica which is connected to the physical asset in real time, allows to, you know, uh, predict behavior, to uh, always have control over the present cost, increase the, you know, overall productivity. We can perform, you know, uh, we can do performance improvement. You know, we know how our asset is operating in real time any time and we can make decisions and insights and make decisions accordingly to how the asset you know is performing you know as a construction professional we design and um as built assets you know building infrastructure and but the life cycles are so long that not necessarily is you know perhaps performing the same way how uh, we designed it because there's you know uh, there are lots of different aspects that, you know, uh, comes into that. So it's very, very important to have real insight, real insight on how, not how it's supposed to operate. So have just, you know, let's talk about the operation and maintenance, you know, where the operation and maintenance phases are based on uh, experience, on what was designed, when they're supposed to, uh, you know, their expected uh, lifespan. Um, but what about if actually we inter- intervene only when it's necessary? Why for everyone who works in uh, the facility and um, operation and maintenance phase, you know, how many times we actually perform um, maintenance where actually was not perhaps needed? Uh, it was just because it was a routine maintenance and because that is what we always done it. Uh, but what about is um we actually align the operation and maintenance phase to actually on how the asset is operating, you know, right now. 
We talk about addiction and probably is also what starts driving me and starts working and learning more about digital twin technology. How many of our assets and maintenance of their assets are actually miscalculated? Here in, you know, in Italy, in my uh, not too far away from my hometown, you know, unfortunately, we, you know, we witnessed um, the collapse of, you know, the uh, Morandi Bridge just over a year ago. You know, and we ask ourselves, and certainly as a construction professional, <laughs> uh, driving digital transformation in industry, I ask myself, how can we make, you know, how we let this happen? How, how is it possible? How can we have miscalculated so much the maintenance routine of the bridge to allow this to happen, you know, so suddenly? Yes, we certainly worked and used the best technology and knowledge and, you know, engineering knowledge to design our big assets, but not necessarily uh, then we operate them how we should. And we can certainly see it now examples of where there was huge miscalculation. Now, that was a really detailed why. Now, <laughs> uh, it took me by surprise, to be honest with you. And this could be a trick question for you, but depending on how the world works over in uh, in uh, the UK and in Italy, but you know, how does one connect their built asset um, to communicate with their virtual asset? We now have sensors, okay? We now have the ability to sensors that can be linked, you know, yep. to attach to a physical asset and can talk. Yeah, and communicate, you know, for wireless and IT devices to our systems. Yeah, we yeah. didn't have this before. So in the same way how we now, you know, talk to Alexa, um, we can receive the type of information, you know, from our assets. If we actually implement this already, you know, for example, in the, you know, a small example, uh, in the example I gave you, you know, sensors on the bridge would have predicted that if the world, you know, collapsed. Yeah. If we had equipped the, the bridge with sensors, we, we should have seen that before. We should have, it, it's, uh, it's, it's very difficult not to, uh, once you have real time, you know, insight, uh, to miscalculate, you know, something, you, you see that something is happening. And, um, and of course, you can't be, you know, 24 7 and monitor, you know, certain assets all the time. But that was probably a clear example where, you know, probably because I work in, uh, you know, in the digital transformation, but, you know, trust me, that day, my, you know, my heart sunk. And I, you know, it could have been one of my members, you know, my family members. So I went on that bridge so many times in my childhood. And, you know, it's been recalled like Brooklyn Bridge for us. And we were just like, how, how, how is it? It's not possible. They were sensors. I'm sure they were sensors. And because that's how I see it. But the reality is, it's, no, we haven't equipped all the all infrastructure and to be honest, you know, because it was not predicted uh, to do that, you know, also um, add the extra, add extra cons to maintenance. So obviously we also need to be able to manage that. But you can immediately see that there are level of risk in, uh, in you know, in certain assets that could justify the fact that we need to start uh, installing uh, the sensors and start understanding how some of the infrastructure and, you know, and, and, and perform because they will allow us to predict better our maintenance and to predict, you know, disasters like uh, what unfortunately has happened. That That's probably um, a very uh, drastic example that you've given us. And 
in the last podcast I interviewed uh, Chris Linning and talked to him about this in the Opera House and, and the mm. methodologies of which they would uh, allocate um, data to certain systems. And one of the things he talked about was the uh, if a air conditioning system was to fail uh, one evening or at any time throughout the throughout the day, um, specifically, uh, you know that could actually stop uh, the ability for a performance to take place. Now, imagine uh, the Sydney Opera House or other or all these assets uh, had connections so that you know a computer could pick up um, certain differences in the performance of a of a system to then notify the facility managers that you know that. This uh, system's not performing in the in the similar uh, routine or similar signals that it's not that's supposed to be sending, and they could then prevent that from occurring and essentially causing substantial cost or loss to an asset owner. Now, the, I guess you know you've talked about we've talked about bridges falling down, which isn't that good, and you know simple air conditioning systems. But there's obviously lots of other benefits that uh, clients could receive from doing it. I guess we could talk for 100 years about them, which we're not going to do today. But I guess the biggest challenge we might face here in Australia is in is in regards to our uh, our internet connection speed and our, uh, our NBN that isn't as good as it is. But, uh, you know, we might see that overcome uh, by a wireless 5G network that gets rolled out across the country, which actually makes the NBN redundant. But that's something that's obviously going to be, you know, we don't want to touch on uh, the Internet of Things, the IoT, because that would also uh, mean another series of uh, acronyms and, and discussions that go on for an hour. Obviously, we've just covered a couple of uh, uh, topics as to reasons why asset owners would want to have a digital twin. Without going on about it for too long, is there any others that you could probably talk about off the top of your head that, that might be important to cover part of this discussion? Yeah. Implementing digital twinning technology might not be feasible yeah, for the lack of uh, infrastructure. Yeah? In that case, just say uh, probably the connectivity in Australia would never be that good. But so I think we need to see. And um, is actually um, just ask this question because days ago I was talking uh, uh, to uh, Simon Evans, one of the uh, digital uh, director of Akin. It was actually interesting to see uh, his uh, work that he's been doing, which not necessarily talk um, about digital twins. Just, you know, it's the ultimate vision. It's a journey. We will have most likely a level of, you know, a different level, like, be like what we had during uh, for, like, uh, for the beginning in uh, the process. The digital twin achieving ultimately the digital twin uh, requires a journey and a level of maturity, yeah, to get yep. there. Yep. And uh, yes, certain levels, certain elements will be very difficult to track because then ultimately you're not going to be able to connect hundred uh, percent, you know, in every part a building to this digital replica because he, ultimately the connectivity is not there. I think it's uh, we need to see how do you achieve the digital twin. And the reality is, is if we only if we start taking and managing the app, the data, yeah, all this digital data that is being built, it is being you know created and being created along the entire life cycle from you know 
conceptual design to design and you know construction and so on. And we bring this information, we structure this data, we bring this information, we actually know how it was designed, how it's supposed to perform, and we bring all this, you know, very, very important music information. And we structure in a way that the operation in maintenance people can't use and can use it in a meaningful way, they can understand how they can, you know, uh, the assets supposed to perform, understand the difference. And unfortunately, I think what is happening right now is, as we know, we don't, you know, we, we create this huge amount of data. We create this very, very tricky uh, 3D model, but don't necessarily we uh, link all this information together. And even when we did our best to create you know, that's very, very useful model. It's not necessarily useful to the operation and maintenance phase because the professionals work in that side, they're not actually receiving the information in the way they want uh, to receive it, the, the way is meaningful to them. We need to see the digital twin as a, as a journey. It will uh, require different stages to achieve. Because we are talking about these assets, they are going to be around for a very, very long time. And of course, they need to rely on connectivity. Perhaps in some areas, we will never achieve that. Yeah? But this not, shouldn't stop us from achieving the level before that, which is having a digital, which in this case is a digital replica, uh, which is not live, perhaps not going to be able to connect in real time, but still can uh, give us an understanding how the uh, the asset is uh, performing and is able to give us insight on how we should, you know, uh, make decisions uh, accordingly. We, we talked earlier about, you know, definitions and so on. So the way I like to describe to describe digital twin is, is a bit of a sense of storyteller, yeah, with the inherited understanding of the way the built assets have been designed, construct, constructed, and the capability of all the materials and constraints as they interact with each other. Yeah? Even if we achieve to that level, even if for ultimately, because we are talking about you know, the lifespan, life cycle, and it's not gonna, we're not going to be able to ultimately make a turn them into living assets, still achieving the Next, you know, the, the level of just before the connection, still it will make it very, very useful for us to make decisions. Now you touched on the fact that the, the digital twin implementation should be a stage one. You know, specifically here in Australia, uh, the biggest issues really are around trying to implement BIM right now and implementing BIM mm-hmm. uh, not just at a client level but also at an industry level is actually quite a challenge. I kind of think that the biggest challenge that anyone would face uh, in trying to implement a, a digital twin strategy would actually be uh, capability of industry. And as I talked about just before, internet connectivity. Are there any other major challenges that you think that inhibit? Because obviously you said you know it should be stepped and it should be stepped, obviously, to align with a few different things. What in particular do you think would be another challenge or other challenges that are important to, to be wary of? There are already a lot of challenges in implementing, you know, um, BIM, uh, the BIM information uh, modeling process. The, the reality you see, the way I see it is you can't, you're not going to be able, you're not going to be able to 
um, achieve a digital twin unless you follow the BIM process. The only way to achieve the digital twin is to start to implement the real information uh, process you know, properly. The challenges of implementing and doing are the same as in implementing the building information uh, process. So if we are talking about additional, you know, challenges, probably the the main one is data security. Uh, because in the moment you have, you start connecting dividing, uh, digital, you know, twins with access together, how you securely give access, you know, to that. And for the access, I think it's the, uh, main, uh, it's going to be the main, main challenge in uh, implementing digital print technology. Start thinking about, I mean, it will be, think about the consequences of having access to digital twin of, you know, a road and infrastructure and think about the risk of having access or someone, you know, the wrong person having yeah. access to the digital, the national digital twin of the UK infrastructure. So, you know, in the moment we even get to, um, um, uh, to uh, agree the national twins or start connecting digital you know, twins together and um, creating, you know, our smart cities, there is, we can see obviously the risk of someone uh, gaining uh, access to the information, the ability to obviously uh, use it for the wrong It becomes a Hollywood movie then, doesn't it? It does, but then at the same time, what are, because the reality is, what are the consequences of not doing on uh, not actually attempting to implement, you know, uh, it shouldn't be a reason not to implement digital integration. It shouldn't be a reason not to implement a new technology because the same way how we now secure access to, you know, uh, bank information and yeah. we now trust our access to banking through an app, you know, we should try, you know, we should accept that that's the direction uh, where we are going in our everyday life. And yet our building and infrastructure most likely will will start monitoring uh, these assets and managing these assets um, in the same way and we will find a way to secure this data. Yeah. But yes, definitely the, the data security certainly I would say I can see as one being one of the main challenges. And then obviously we have the same uh, challenges of the beam process which underlines you know, the creation of this digital replica. So, you know, common language, interoperability, we have this, you know, problem of legal systems on how we commission our these assets with uh, this, you know, the industry practice, the, you know, as I say, that, you know, the lack of understanding of the BIM process and the fact that we can now, you know, a lot more uh, cross, you know, interdisciplinary collaboration, uh, the fact that, you know, we are not used to, in the early days, to start talking to facility managers. Why should we? Yeah? Why, why, you know, we're not talking to them. Why? And the reality is sometimes also the challenge of, the, you know, that contract might get signed in period time. So we don't actually know who is going to be ultimately operated. Um, so you can certainly see some aspects of, uh, you know, some challenges that, you know, we need to overcome. And um, I guess it's like any sort of, um, you know, evolution in every industry. Uh, we we will find a way. Now, I guess one final question, and I think this is probably a good one to kind of end on before I end with my uh, proper question that I give to everyone. But the, the challenges we're going to face uh, in the coming years might become, might be similar to what we've experienced in the past with regards to clients um, just saying, I'd like BIM, please. 
um, we're going to potentially see clients saying, I'd like a digital twin, please. The challenges are probably going to be even more, uh, or the or the or the uses or the purposes of a digital twin will probably be significantly uh, more than that of BIM. From your perspective, do you think that it's going to be an easy process, or hopefully, or do you, or do you really think that hope, hopefully clients are going to be more informed by the time they're starting to ask for digital twins to actually, you know, have a business case behind what information they want. Probably what happened in the last, you know, years where um, I know people start for a software vendor and where you get a phone call and say, I want to be, you know, I want to provide BIM. And um, without really understanding on, you know, uh, what it is and what's the purpose. I'm not surprised if we are going to start uh, hearing, you know, clients say, well, I want a digital twin. I think it's more uh, the understanding is um, educating. It's about education. It's about educating the asset owner, the things have changed, have moved on. Uh, there are new technology, new processes that can be put into place uh, that can ultimately bring a lot of benefit. Uh, we need to educate the asset owner that we can use the latest techno- available technology to develop a digital replica, which in some aspects can be linked to our physical aspects that will ultimately give us a lot of benefits and understanding on how the asset is operating. So we need to understand the purpose. We need to understand what exactly can we afford and can we, you know, it's feasible to link because there's no way I think we can link everything, every single part of the building. So we need to understand is what the parts are justifiable and what ultimately uh, will bring, you know, the ultimate, you know, the ultimate benefit. And if you see the digital twin as a replica and as a Distance, not necessarily just you know your 3D model, yeah, but just don't do pieces of paper. Materials are pieces of information, structured information that gives you the ability to search, understand how the asset is you know currently performing, and what type of information do you want, and focus on what are the most important aspects uh, rather than just say, oh, I want a digital twin, so I want every single aspect. So of my physical after being uh, replicated and talked to my digital twin. I think we need to, it's going to be probably some decisions need to be made on which part are ultimately going to bring the benefit. So and understand the purpose is why you're building uh, the digital twin and which are the, the aspects that you want to monitor. And it's similar to that as to the reasons why you want certain information with regards to BIM as well. So that seems to be the message that, that everyone I talk to raises and it's something that uh, hopefully our listeners that are in a position where they're having to specify or make these decisions uh, are better informed. Christina, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today to discuss digital twins and uh, for clarifying a number of these myths that the market has put out there. So I have one final question. Uh, one that I've been asking all of my guests, and today it's not going to be change. It's not going to be what does uh, digital twins mean to you, but uh, what does BIM mean to you? BIM is the process that allows us to structure information in a way that matters. At the moment, we create so much data that is not structured, so much data that can be reused, so much data that we save time and effort in understanding how you know, we design and build this, you know, our 
health environment. And BIM is a process, like many, you know, other processes. Uh, it brings a lot of benefits. We know the benefits. We need to learn that there are like any new process that is, um, uh, there are challenges and we should embrace the challenges rather than just keep saying, oh, we always done this way and why should we start doing things, you know, in a different way. I think we are, um, as an industry, we are at a turning point. It's digital transformation is happening. It's um, not driven by politicians. <laughs> it's driven by people. It's driven by all of us. Uh, we can do, we can implement digital uh, processes into the built environment too. And there's no reason not to. To answer your question is, it's the process that we should all follow. But it's more the meaning of the process rather than, you know, the steps and why we're doing this. Uh, it has an end. It has a very important meaning at the end. And we should, you know, think about that before we even start doing any task. Thanks once again, Christina, for your time. So for more information on Christina and Digital Twins, please head to our website and find the links to the various documents that we discussed today for further reading. I look forward to sharing our next podcast in a fortnight's time. Until then, good luck with your digital transition. For more information, or if you'd like to continue the discussion in the comments section, head over to our website, thedigitaltransition.com. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on our future podcasts. Digital transition.